All right, you guys ready to go, part two? Okay. I don't know if it's the cold or whatever. It started at nine, but I just feel like you're a little bit stiff. Is that true? All right, I'm going to need you to talk back a little bit over the next few minutes. Uh, part two is seven days to live. Here's where we started last week. We're doing a series all about time. And most of us are obsessed with time. We're obsessed with what time is it. We're obsessed when, about where we need to be and when we need to be there. Um, but most of us spend most of our time looking at what time it is, and never really asking the question of what we're doing with our time. And one of the really powerful things you see in Scripture is that when we are led to a place where we start to understand that what we do with our time is a big deal and that we have a limited amount of that time, that it actually begins to lead us to live differently. A guy by the name of Moses said this in Psalm. David wrote most of the Psalms, but um, Moses had this kind of nugget of wisdom when he said, teach us, like all of us, to number our days, meaning your days are numbered, your days are limited, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And basically the bottom line that we started looking at last week was this, is that when we recognize as Jesus followers, and if you're not, if you ever embrace this, this is kind of what's coming for you, that we have not been created for our little story. We have not been created to live our life for us. In fact, living our lives for us or for our glory is just, it's too small. We've been created for his story, for his glory, and our time is limited. He holds our time in his hands. And when we understand that it's not about us, that there is a bigger narrative at play, there's a bigger story that's being written that we're invited to be a part of, and that our days are numbered, that they're limited, Moses says what happens when you begin to understand that is you get wisdom that you would not get otherwise. Basically, here's the bottom line is, basically Moses tells us you reach into your future and you gain the insight and the clarity and the wisdom that some of us are going to get in the final moments or final days of our life. And you're going to bring that wisdom into your now, into your present, and you're going to live differently. And you've been called to live with a purpose. So Moses says the starting place for us to not waste our time because your time is your most valuable asset. Your time is your life. Is God, teach us, it's a prayer, teach us to live like our days are numbered so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Here's basically what we said, is that because your time is limited, you need to limit what you do with your time. Because your time on earth is limited, you need to limit what you do with your time. Now, to move where I want to go today, I want to look at one big idea, and you're not going to get to the end of this and go, man, you're brilliant, or that was new, or that's some kind of different insight that I never got. It's basically what all of us know already, but in many cases, we don't do. So I want to start with this before I get to the big idea, and you maybe have seen something like this before, but this jar right here represents your life. Like, this is a day, this is a week, this is a month, this is a year. And all of these little pebbles, all these little rocks are basically all of the little insignificant things that tend to eat up your time. They're not evil, they're not wrong. I mean, there's, there's nothing like sinful about them necessarily. They're just morally neutral. But they're those things that we don't necessarily wanna give up, but all of us would be honest to go, it's, it's like not the most important thing in my life. So whatever that is for you, Instagram, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, Netflix, 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 Netflix. It's golf. I said I, I suck at golf, so I can pick on that. Fishing. It's, there's probably more Instagram in there. It's shopping online. You don't really need anything, but you just do it. It's therapy. It's Pinterest. 
Probably should be more Pinterest in there. And whatever else. Like you could name a hundred different things. But it's all those things that, again, aren't wrong. And like there, there's nothing, again, evil about them. But you would be honest to go, it's not the most important thing in my life. But I don't really want to give it up either. And then you have all those things that you know are the most important things. And it's not, in many cases, that we don't know. But those big rocks, as I'll illustrate them, is basically your marriage. Like, that's your wife is a big rock. That's probably unfortunate um, <laughs> comparison. Your, your husband is a, a big rock. I, it's a priority is what I'm trying to say. Um, your kids are a big rock. Like, investing in your kids' um, just growth, development, spiritual maturity, if you're a follower of Jesus, exercise should be one of those big rocks. Like you've been given a body, you only get one of them, you should take care of it. Um, your career in an appropriate place is a big rock. That's something that you've got to devote time toward. You need to steward it well. Um, big rocks are the church. Like if you're a Jesus follower, I'm going to make this a priority. I'm going to make it a priority for me, for my kids. Um, maybe if you're a Jesus follower, it's your spiritual health. It is, I'm going to somehow build into the rhythm of my life, just growing spiritually, spending time in the scriptures, spending time in prayer, like developing in that relationship that I know I want to grow as I move into later seasons of my life. Maybe it's um, community group and getting with other people in regard to just strengthening your marriage, knowing you can't do it on your own, getting wisdom about what to do with your kids in this season. But whatever it is, all of those big rocks. And for most of us, this is how we end up feeling about life is that we are overextended and we are overwhelmed and we know what should be most important, but we always feel like we're running out of time. We always feel like we can't fit in everything that we want to fit in. And this is a biblical principle in the scriptures. It's so crazy how practical the scriptures are, but it talks about time and it talks about priorities. And the key is not to add more. And you already know that. The key is not to walk out of here and go, yeah, yeah, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. The key is prioritizing. The key is putting in first things first. So whatever that is for you, marriage, I'm going to prioritize that. I'm going to date my wife. I'm going to make sure that, that there is an investment in terms of my time. I'm going to prioritize my kids. I'm going to make sure that I'm not putting a job over top of them that I'm probably not even going to have in five years, but I will have my kids. I'm going to prioritize just spiritual development as a Jesus follower. I'm going to spend some time in the scriptures. I'm going to get into community and I'm going to get around other brothers and sisters who can spur me on in my faith, who can encourage me, who can give me wisdom that I wouldn't have otherwise. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to invest in things with the calling that God's given me, where God is leading me in this season of my life. But all of those things, kids, marriage, community, my spiritual growth, those relationships that are most important to me, I'm going to begin to reorder and prioritize those things first. And then all that other stuff, and that stuff isn't bad, Netflix, Instagram, fishing, golf, Pinterest, And then that, that wasn't a part of the illustration, but all that other stuff goes in next. It's not about adding another thing because you don't have another thing to add. It's all about prioritizing and understanding that this season of your life matters. And those big rocks, most of you would say, whatever they are for you, those things matter. I don't want to get to another season of my life and have misprioritized my time because when you misprioritize your time, you misprioritize your life. 
And so here's the big idea, and I want to unpack this for a few minutes, and it's just this, and you already know this, is that your priorities ultimately are going to determine your capacity. Your priorities are going to determine your capacity, meaning it's, you're going, to, it's going to determine what you put into your time, what you put into your schedule, what you make most important, and it's going to determine what you get out of this season, what you ultimately end up with, what you have to show for your time, which is your life. Your priorities determine ultimately your capacity. Now, all of us know this. Like there's things right now that if I sat down with you and we could just start having a conversation, you would already know, okay, this is what needs to be first in my life. This is what needs to be the priority. This is what I want to matter at a later point in my life. But why don't we do it? And I think there's two big things. And the first one is this. I think this is huge. Is that the most important things in our life generally do not have an immediate payoff. The most important things in our life do not generally have an immediate payoff. If you're wired like me, you want to see progress. I want to see at the end of the day what I did. I want to be able to have a measurable, this is what I accomplished. The most important things in your life generally don't ever work that way. There's never an immediate payoff. In fact, isn't this true? There is almost no benefit to one single allotment of time, is there? Like you attending church today, if this is the only time you've attended, you're not going to walk away and go, oh, I'm just, I feel changed. Right? If you get home and prioritize having dinner with your kids one night, that's not going to revolutionize your family. You you take your date, your wife on one date, that's not going to change your marriage, especially if you haven't done anything else. There's almost no value in one single allotment of time. You study one night throughout the semester, that's not going to change the course of your you know education. One allotment of time almost does nothing. And then on the flip side of that, missing one allotment of time or several allotments of time that that doesn't really have an impact either. There's no immediate consequences. So again, if, if I don't like invest in my relationship with Nicole, my wife for, you know, a night or a couple nights or a couple weeks, I can get away with that. There's no immediate payoff. There's no immediate consequence. Our, our marriage isn't going to fall apart. If I don't get home and have dinner with my kids and prioritize them and, and make sure that I'm investing in them spiritually and in terms of their emotional health, like I can get away with that for a night. I, I don't get home for dinner. Things aren't going to hit the fan. There's no immediate consequence to that. The same is true spiritually. The same is true with, you know, I, I don't go to community group a few times or I don't show up at church. Like, th there's no immediate consequence to that. We rarely see an immediate payoff. But here is the bottom line, is that there is always compounding value in investing small amounts of time over time. That's just true, right? There is, a me there is compounding value in investing small amounts of time over time, but we don't see it Immediately. The other thing that is true about this is this. There is always compounding value in neglecting. Not the kind of value we want, but there is always compounding value in neglecting. We don't see the immediate consequence, but we eventually do see it. Isn't it true? There are certain times in our life where we have gone so far down the road that in some ways we have done some irreparable damage and we can't go back and get it back. You can't go get your 20s again. You can't go get your 30s again. You can't go invest in your 40s again now that you're 59 or 60. There's some things, there's certain relationships who get to a point that without some kind of miracle happening, there's almost irreparable damage in that. And isn't this true as well? Is that the amount of time that we end up fixing things is far greater, is far greater than what we would have invested in the first place if we would have just prioritized what we knew should have been the priorities of our life. We spend up far more time 
And there's always compounding value in small amounts of time over time. There's always compounding value in neglecting. And then the last thing, there is no compounding value in the random things that got in the way of what was most important. Isn't that true? Like every time you don't prioritize what should be the priority of your life, what you trade that for generally is a lot of random things that end up equaling zero. Like whatever you traded in, what was most important, if you add all that stuff up, it adds up to nothing, meaning you basically get nothing in return. You look back and go, what did we even do? Like what did we even prioritize? What was so important? And you traded what ended up adding up to nothing. It added up to zero. It's just a bunch of random things and you have nothing to show for it. And so the big obstacle is doing, of doing what we know we should do is the fact that there is no immediate payoff either way, either positively or negatively, but there is compounding value in investing small amounts of time over time in any area of your life with your marriage, with your kids, with your education, with your spiritual journey, and every single one of them, there is extraordinarily, uh, extraordinary compounding value in investing over long periods of time. But it's just difficult because we want an immediate payoff. The second obstacle is this for some of us, is that we have never really come to the place where we've committed ourselves to what is most important. I mean, you think long enough, you kind of know what it is, you know what those big rocks are, but there's never been this commitment in, in such a way that it drives what you're doing with your life, it drives what you do with your schedule. You've never really stopped to answer the question in such a way that it starts to bleed into your Monday, what and who is most important? What and who is most important? What are the biggest rocks in my life? What is the biggest rock in my life that should reorganize and reorder all the rest of it? Throughout the scripture, just to, I have to say this, throughout the scripture, over and over again, it talks about that the biggest rock for us should be God. Like if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've come to a place to believe that Jesus came, lived the perfect life you couldn't live, died the death that you should have died for all of your sin, walked out of a grave alive, and you have come to a place to go, okay, I cannot earn my way to him, so I'm trusting what he has done for me. The scripture says you've been forgiven, you've been given new life, you have a purpose, everything you do is a spiritual activity down to what you do with your time. And so if all of that is true, the thing that should be most important, the biggest rock for us should be God. Over and over again, David, kind of as a play on words, David and Moses actually call God that. In Psalm, David writes this, for who is God besides the Lord and who is the rock except our God? Like he is the biggest rock for our life. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is the thing that should reorient and reorganize everything else. In fact, throughout the scriptures, the word that is used for priorities is not priorities, it's seek. And it talks over and over again about seeking God first, putting God first, seeking God with all of your heart, basically prioritizing him above everything else. Here's what David says in Psalm 63, 1. Oh God, you are my God. And earnestly, I seek you. Earnestly, I prioritize you. Earnestly, I put you first in my life. And my soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Basically, David's just saying this. You can only earnestly seek one thing. And that thing is going to reorganize your entire life. David also says this, Psalm 119, 10. I seek you with all my heart. 
Do not let me stray from your commands. I prioritize you. I put you first. I put you above everything else in my life. And so if I'm going to do that, then I'm going to put your commands first. God, what do you want from my life? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I want to sync up with the rhythm of how you have created me and what you want me to do. And when I do that, again, it informs and it impacts all the rest of my life. And then Solomon comes along and says this, and Solomon, the wisest man in the world, I've said this hundreds of times, but I can never get over it, other than the fact he had 700 wives, which meant 700 mother-in-laws. Proverbs 28, 5, here's what Solomon says. Other than that, he was wise. Evil men do not understand justice. Have you ever been around somebody and you're like, I don't even know if they know what's right. I don't even know if they have clarity about what to do in this. Evil men do not understand justice, do not understand what is right, but those who seek, those who prioritize, those who put first, those who move this to the top, those who make this the big rock, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. And again, Solomon's like, when I seek God first, when I make him the priority of my life, the priority of my family, the priority of my decision-making, meaning I make his commands the priority of my life as well because I want to sync up with how he's created me. It gives me insight that I wouldn't have any other way. It gives me wisdom that I wouldn't get any other way. It literally informs and impacts every other decision and every other priority that I make. This has got to be the starting place for you. And so here's the bottom line, and then I want to dive into the text that I want to look at as kind of solely this morning for a few minutes, is that your priorities are going to determine your capacity. What you are making chief in your life, what are the biggest things, the biggest rocks are going to determine your capacity. It's going to determine what you put into your time, what you take out of your time, and ultimately what you get out of your life. Your priorities determine your capacity. But for a lot of us, because there is no immediate payoff, we are seduced into not investing in the things that there is compounding value in over time, over time. And then others of us, we've never really gotten to a place where we have committed to the things that are really most important. We've never really surrendered to, okay, who and what is most important in my life in such a way that it's going to drive everything that I do. But your priorities determine your capacity. And so here's what I love about the scripture, a God who loves us, a God who is, we believe, over all things sovereign, meaning in control of all things actual and all things possible, a God who knows how much time you have left, a God who knows how much time I have left, says this to us through the writings of the Apostle Paul, and it is so powerful, and it is so profound with all of this in view. Here's what God kind of sends to us through his writings, be very careful. Be very careful, meaning literally in the Greek, watch what you do with your time. In light of everything that we just said, be very careful then how you live, how you spend your time, what you fill up with your time, what you lean into, what you make most important. The Greek literally means as you look ahead, be careful how you live and how you spend your minutes because those minutes end up equaling your life. And then he says this, not as unwise, but as wise. In light of the fact that you already know this, that your priorities determine your capacity. In light of the fact that there is compounding value in investing time over time. In light of the fact that there is also compounding consequences to not investing time over time. 
in light of the fact that your time is limited. Your time has an expiration date. Your time is not going to be here forever. And anytime we think we have a limitless supply of anything, we waste it. And so Paul says, with all of that in view, and you probably already know that intuitively, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And then he says this, because the days are making the most of every opportunity. And this literally is an accounting term in the Greek. And it really just means redeeming the time. And because this was so forceful, when they translated it into English, even though it meant redeeming the time, they wanted to kind of put the force behind the original translation. So they translated it, make the most of every opportunity. Squeeze everything you can out of what God has given you. Make sure you do not get to a future season and wish you had done things differently. Make the most out of it. Be careful. Be wise. This literally is a mathematical term in the Greek that basically just means this. Make sure that whatever you cash in, make sure that whatever you trade in, you get equal value to. That you maximize the opportunity. That you maximize your capacity. Because every time you prioritize something, you are trading something. So make sure that whatever you are trading, you cash in and you move in to something that gives you equal value that ultimately leads you to maximize the opportunities and maximize the capacity that God has given you. And then he says this, because the days are evil. And and here's all he's saying is that When this whole thing went down with Adam and Eve, sin entered the world and sin infested everything. Sin infested people, sin infested systems, sin infested thinking. And if you move with the current of culture, you will be moved to waste your time. And culture by itself isn't wrong, but it is infested with sin. And so if you just find yourself being herded and moved with the current of cultural majority thinking, what everybody's doing to your right and left, how everybody's handling their marriage, how everybody is prioritizing their kids, how everybody is handling their time, how everybody else is handling their entertainment, and moving with the culture, the current of culture to go, everybody can't be wrong, Right? He's going, listen, the days are evil, meaning if you allow culture to dictate your priorities, ultimately you will be led to neglect the things that are most important to you. And here's the reality. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's what we believe if you're investigating this, that we have an enemy that literally is behind everything. And the reality is that when we place our faith and trust in Christ, the enemy cannot do anything to take our life. So the next best thing is seduce us into wasting our life to do the things that we never really see because it's morally neutral. Nobody's going to call us on it. Nobody's really going to confront us about it. It's nothing that's evil. A lot of us are smarter than that. It's just this kind of subtle thing where week over week, month over month, year over year, we allow all the things that aren't really priorities to become the priorities of our life. And we never really sit down to go, okay, this is what is most important to me. This is who is most important to me. And when you don't do that, ultimately, you will have dictated for you what is most important. And you will get to another season of your life and you will have prioritized what you never actually meant to prioritize. 
The current of culture just moved you in that direction. And Paul's going, okay, so just be careful, be wise, make the most of every opportunity because this is true. The days are evil. You are, if you never think about it and you never push up against it, you are going to be moved down a current that will lead you to a destination where you wish you had done some things different with your kids, with your marriage, with your calling, and with the limited amount of time that you've been given. So be careful, be, be wise, make the most of every opportunity. And then verse 17, and therefore do not be foolish, but understand, literally face up to, understand what is true, understand what is real, but understand what the Lord's will is. And here's the thing, this is Paul, so don't get upset at me, but here's basically what Paul's saying. Here's what we do. Basically, we, we come in and go, I know what I should do. I know what I should do. I know what I should do. I know what I should prioritize. And then we don't do it. And Paul says, by definition, you're a fool. You know what you should do. You know what you should do. You know what you should prioritize. And you don't do it. And I would say this. I think, I think Jesus followers, I think church people who sit in environments like this, I think we're the worst at this. Because we couch it in some kind of spiritual deal where we show up and we think believing something is enough. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Mm, yeah, that's good. I believe that. We intend to do stuff. We feel emotional, spiritual feelings. But all the intending and the feeling and the believing in the world does nothing for you. And Paul says, if that's all you ever do, you're a fool. You know what to do and you know what to prioritize and you couch it in spiritual language and there's conviction, but you don't ever actually do anything with it and you're foolish because, come on, here's the incredible news. God has a will for your life. God has a plan for your life. If I could ingrain this into our minds where it would move from our minds to our hearts, I would do it. This is the thing that I pray over my kids almost every day of their life, that they would get to a place to understand what has impacted me so greatly. God has a will for my life. God wants to do something with my life. He has redeemed me. He has saved me. He has reconciled my relationship with him. He has given me forgiveness, but it is bigger than that. He has given me eternal life, and part of that eternal life is a purpose that I have been called to do something extraordinary with my little bit of time. You have been called to do something extraordinary with your little bit of time. And I don't know what that looks like. It may not look extraordinary to anybody else, but I'm telling you, God has ordained for you to do something significant with the minutes that he's given you. It may be in your home raising your little culture shapers to change the world, and nobody's going to applaud you, and there's not going to be a standing ovation, and nobody's going to give you a gold watch by the time they ultimately graduate from high school, but that is God's will for your life, and he's He's going to use it at some level to change the world. God's maybe called you to move in the direction of somebody that somebody else is moving away from or a group that everybody else is moving away from. And what you do and how you love and how you invest may have ripple effects that are going to go way beyond what you can even imagine multi-generationally. 
Some of you are going to do some things that nobody's going to know about. But when you decide, listen, this is not about me. This is not about my story. This is not about my deal and filling up my schedule. It's about his story. And I have been created. I have been manufactured. I have been designed with a purpose. And ultimate fulfillment, I'm telling you, ultimate peace is found in syncing your life up with his will and living for his glory and understanding you do not have a limitless amount of time so don't waste it. God has a will for my life and I ultimately want to see that will done and I don't want to get to another season and ask the question, I wonder what God would have done if I would have trusted him. So Paul says, be careful. Be wise. And you're not going to get any help with this. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil and don't be foolish. Stop intending to do stuff. Stop believing stuff. Stop just feeling emotional, religious feelings. They are of no value. You just feel better about yourself and do stuff. Understand God has a will for your life and you don't want to miss it. And listen, this is not complicated. I've said this over and over again, but just do what you know to do and you'll know what to do. Just prioritize what you know to prioritize, and you'll know what to prioritize. And God works through decisions, and it's not always just this one thing. God's given us free will. He says, seek me with all of your heart. Prioritize me, and then I'll lead you, and I'll even lead you through your free will. I'll lead you to follow your own passions. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. God doesn't suppress our desires. He transforms our desires so that we want the things that he wants. So just do what you know to do today, and you'll know what to do tomorrow, and you will walk in the rhythm of God's will for your life, and there is no better place to be. And so here's where I want to start to wind the plane down. I I just want to encourage you with this. You are seeking something first. What is it? You are seeking something first. What is it? And here's what I would suggest if you're not sure, if there's a little ambiguity around it. Just ask your kids. Just ask your wife. Just ask your friends who are close to you because they'll tell you. It's the things that you tend to talk about a lot, It's the things that tend to capture your thoughts and you're in a conversation, but you don't really hear the conversation. It's the things that you devote your time to. It's the thing that you try to carve out extra time for, but they know what it is. What are the things that you are seeking first? What is the thing that you are seeking first? And the people around you know what it is. So what is it? For some of you, it's approval. For some of you, it's recognition and it's driving what you do with your schedule. It's driving what you do at work. For some of you, it's to get to a place where you make it, and you don't even know what make it is. You've never actually stopped to define what making it is, but you've got some kind of undefined, I just need to make it. And you are making decisions that are going to impact your marriage and your kids and your spiritual health, so you better know what making it means. But but what is it? What is the thing that you are seeking for? Some of you, it's a size three some of you, it's, it's to move to a place where you feel like you're keeping up with somebody else around you. I don't know what it is, but here's, here's the starting place if you are a follower of Jesus. And I just wish that we could get this. I wish that you could feel the weight of this. You will never, ever, I think, fully make sense of your time and your life and your little blip on the radar until you recognize that, serious, I'm not joking, you have been designed and manufactured to live your life for his glory. You have been designed and manufactured to 
to live for his story, to handle your sexuality, to handle your entertainment, to handle your marriage, to handle your priorities with your kids, to handle what you do at work because all of it's a spiritual issue to go, God, I want you to be first in all of this and it's not gonna be pain-free and my life is not gonna be problem-free, but ultimate fulfillment is found in the center of following God and his will for my life because it's what you've created me for. And so God, your will is my priority. I think it just starts with just praying that prayer and making that declaration, God, your will is my priority. And then what today do you need to begin to do to invest small amounts of time over time? What does that look like? What do you need to do today? Where do you need to start to invest small amounts of time over time? Where is that? What do you need to do? For some of you, you need to begin to prioritize your kids and not the way that you're saying you're prioritizing your kids. Some of you are driving your kids into behaviors and into schedules, and you disguise it as you're prioritizing your kids. And if you are really shockingly honest with you, you're just prioritizing you. And you are sabotaging your kids. What do you need to do to invest small amounts of time over time in the most important things? What do you need to do in your marriage? What do you need to begin to do and go, go home and say and, and begin to put on the schedule with your wife? What do you need to begin to prioritize small amounts of time over time in terms of your spiritual well-being? For some of you, it's to prioritize the church, this thing that God has created that is one of the catalysts for your spiritual growth. And it's one of the things that more and more it just kind of gets relegated to antiquated and I'm not really sure and somehow we can just deny thousands of years of Orthodox Christianity because we're just smarter in 2018. But God has ordained the church to do something in your family, in your life that can't be replicated any other way. I don't understand it. Paul says it is through the foolishness of preaching. I didn't come up with this, but it still works because it's how God designed it to work. That there's something that happens when we gather for corporate worship with pastors and elders and Jesus is at the center and you can't replicate it any other way. And then as you gather for strength and scatter for light to get into community groups and make a difference in your neighborhood and in the ball field and in your workplace, God begins to do something. But where do you need to invest small amounts of time over time? And one you know, week or one month or one season of ignoring it, you're not going to experience the consequences. But I'm telling you, you are going somewhere in the future. There's a future season where some of you will wish you could come back to today. So where do you need to invest small amounts of time over time? Your finances in, in what you do with your entertainment, what you do with just spending some time in the word and the scripture, spending time in prayer. One of, the, one of the really practical ways to just declare that God is going to be ultimate, that God is going to have first place in my life is just to give him the first part of your time. And you don't have to do this, but I think it's one of the ways you declare, God, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to spend some time in your word. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. And it's a declaration for me that, God, I want you to be first. And I want to organize all of my other priorities around this. I want this to clarify for me what I need to say no to to create limits in my life. I want this to organize for me what I need to say yes to. And then I want it to lead me to a place where I can trust you with the rest, with everything else in my life. But on that first part of your time, the first part of your money to go, God, I want to declare for you that you're first. So where do you need to begin to invest small amounts of time over time? And this is what Paul's saying when he's saying, be careful. Make the most of every opportunity. Begin to live wise and make sure you start today. And then what's the biggest obstacle? For a lot of you, it's discipline. 
And here's what I love about the scriptures. that It kind of phrases things in ways that are a lot more uncomfortable because the scripture just calls like lack of discipline, lack of self-control, which sounds a lot worse. You cannot control yourself. And what, what is true about the scriptures and what is true about our spiritual journey is that as we begin to put God first, as we begin to seek him, as we begin to organize everything else around that, that the scripture says we have the spirit of God inside of us. And as we seek God first, the spirit of God begins to take over in our life. And one of the byproducts of that is self-control and self-discipline. Timothy writes it this way, you have not been given a spirit of fear over this, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. And as you begin to follow God, one of the indicators of your advancement in this journey of loving Jesus is you begin to grow in your ability to put the right things first and to control yourself with what God says is best for your life. So what's the obstacle? You need to begin to put the big rocks in place and seek God with all of your heart. And then last thing, last question, what do you need to do today? Like, what do you need to do today? What do you need to start to do? What are you willing to do about whatever that thing is you know needs to be first? Because here's what I know about you, regardless of what you believe. You do not want to spend another season of your life and look back and feel like you wasted it. After the first service, a guy came up to me and told me to actually share his story. And he said he was 89 years old. And after the 9 a.m. service, he said, everything you're talking about is me. He's like, I'm 89 years old, and for most of my adult life, I prioritized my career and my pursuit of my identity and what I was building as chief in my life. And now I have three adult grown kids. Obviously, I'm 89, and those kids won't speak to me. Our, our relationship is severed. And, and so he just said, I, I'm an example. And he said, I want to live whatever days I have left honoring and glorifying God, but I'm an example of over seasons and seasons of my life not prioritizing the right things. And now I I am reaping what I've sown. And so what is it? What, what do you need to do? And here's the thing about it, and I got to close. But your unwillingness to move to a place to invest small amounts of time over time in the things that are most important and your unwillingness to really commit and surrender to what should be the big rocks in your life, your unwillingness to do that never just hurts you. It always hurts the people around you. See, the thing about sin is you can never sin and misprioritizing and misusing your time and your life is sin. You can never sin without it hurting somebody else. There is no sin where you can just say, oh, this is not hurting anybody. Number one, some sin always hurts you and you are made in the image of God, but generally it always hurts somebody around you. And when you do not prioritize the things that should be most important, there's always somebody who's gonna be hurt. There's always a child or a family that's gonna be affected. There's always a spouse that ultimately is gonna be impacted. There's always a friend that is going to reap what you have sown. There's always someone who's going to be affected. And you've been called to live your life around this simple mandate, love God and love other people. And you actually can't love people until you surrender every part of your life, including your time, because it affects how you treat and how you love other people around you. They are impacted by what you do. So where do you need to invest small amounts of time over time? 
Where do you need to commit once and for all to put a stake in the ground to go, this is what is most important to me. This is the big rock. And if you're a follower of Jesus, it needs to start with God and it needs to start with your relationship with God. It needs to start with you investing in the well-being and the spiritual welfare of your children. Can I just speak to you? And then you can get angry about this if you want, but you are setting the tone and the course in many cases of where your child is going to be in his relationship with Jesus another decade from now, depending upon what you're doing and what you're prioritizing right now. And there is no, there, there's no vending machine. You punch this in and do this and everything's gonna work out great. So I'm not just, I'm not saying that, but I, I know from experience that there is multi-generational blessing when you begin to prioritize when it is not convenient and what ultimately you wanna see happen with your kids to love and to follow Jesus and to prioritize his church and live their life for his will. You are setting the course in many cases about what's gonna happen and whether that will happen in a future season of your life. And then last, I just, just want to say this for all of you type A like me, where some of this makes you a little bit nervous and you're afraid of why, if, if I really go all in on this, I'm not going to be as productive. And that's such a lie. When you begin to order your life around what you know God wants for you, you're not less productive. You ultimately, as you prioritize correctly, you gain capacity. God uses your time to do more with it than you could ever do on your own. And you ultimately, in terms of capacity, are gonna like what you get out of it, that God is going to do more with this little blip of time than you could ever do on your own, prioritizing things the way you think things should be for your own fulfillment, for your own peace, for your own happiness, for your own satisfaction. All of that is found chiefly in following Christ. So you're not gonna lose capacity, you're gonna gain capacity. And then this is the last thing, I'm just gonna say this. Like Paul and Jesus, they were pretty productive. Like, no, let, let me just say this with as much grace as I can. No one's going to be quoting you in 2,000 years, right? Nobody's going to quote you in 2,000 years. Let's just come around that reality. God's going, no, 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 you don't have to worry about that. I, this is leading you into the things that are most important for your life and leading you to a place where you maximize your capacity and what I've designed for you to do. So your priorities are determining your capacity. So where do you need to determine what is most important to you and where do you need to invest small amounts of time over time and do it now. Have a conversation tomorrow. Call somebody up tomorrow and go, we cannot come anymore. We are canceling our subscription. We will never show up there again. We love you, but we have other priorities and do it now. And then the last thing, and this really is the last thing, but I just want to get our minds around this, is that your priorities today are gonna determine your destination tomorrow. And there's no guarantees, but I'm just telling you, if you looked at your priorities in regard to your marriage today, in large part, it is already determining your destination tomorrow. If you were to look at your priorities in terms of your kids today and your kids' spiritual health today, in many respects, it is determining your destination tomorrow. Your priorities in terms of, of how you are stewarding their hearts in many cases is determining your destination in terms of your relationship with your adult kids when they're older. Your priorities today in terms of God's calling and purpose for your life is determining your destination tomorrow. So do you like your destination? Do you like where you're going? Because your priorities are determining where in many cases you're gonna end up in your marriage, in your relationship with your kids, in your pursuit of loving and following Jesus. So what are your priorities? 
And where are they leading you? Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Would you guys just pray with me all over the house? And if you're online, you can pray with us. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. Thank you that your grace has been manifested through this incredible, Lord, just body of, of wisdom that is relevant throughout the ages. And Lord, I, I just pray that you would all over the house, you would just give us wisdom to know what to do. And in many cases, God speaking simply means that thing that we have felt over these few minutes of, yeah, 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 I should. That's you speaking. And so I pray that you would just give us wisdom to clarify and to know what that is and, and wisdom to know what that means for us and what decisions need to be made. And then God, and this is really what we need, we need courage to actually do it. And so help us not to walk out and feel once again and simply believe and nod our heads once again or intend to do something once again, but help us to understand that our priorities today are leading to a destination tomorrow. And so we would lean in to do what we need to do today to make the most of the time, to gain the wisdom that most of us are gonna have at the end of our life, but we're not gonna wait till that time. We're gonna bring that wisdom into today. And so God, help us to reorder in such a way that impacts and directs and gives insight for all the rest of our life because we wanna glorify you. We wanna live for your greater story. And we pray this in your incredible name, the name of Jesus, amen.